What's going on, everybody? My name is Rob, and I'm the host of The Curated Culture, a weekly podcast dedicated to dissecting the latest and greatest news from around the world of tech and pop culture. Now, we all know the internet can be a busy, noisy place, so let us calm that noise for you. Join us as we discuss the latest and greatest topics from the people and sources that matter most. Check us out every Thursday as we jump into fresh, original content, new interviews, and a host of other subjects that we know you'll find interesting. So jump in whatever your favorite podcast app is and search The Curated Culture. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And in the meantime, we'll catch y'all on the air. And welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I am here with the bad boy of brazing, Nick. Bad boy of brazing. Well, hello, everybody. My <laughs> name is Nick, and I apparently am the bad boy of brazing. Oh, yeah. It's going on a jersey or something. I don't think it is. With a number one. I mean, that part's accurate, but I don't know if that's what I would call myself. <laughs> well, fine. I'm, You know, I'm struggling trying to understand all your cooking terms, right? I don't hardly use them because people struggle to understand them. Well, I'm see, I'm working towards understanding. That's fair. I'll give you that one. You're trying. <laughs> well, anyways, by the way, I see you're getting all kinds of kudos online for the cooking tutorials. I agree. And, and I think they're well produced. So kudos to you and drawing people to your TikTok and Facebook. Well, thank you. They need. OK, so in terms of production, they need work. I'm having a real hard time with nice lighting right now. So the lighting is a sore topic with me, sir. But um, other than that, they're a lot of fun to make, and people seem to enjoy them. So uh, I, I'm going to keep doing them. Good, because, yeah, we do. It's pretty fun to watch. They're entertaining. They're not super long. And I learn a little something. Maybe, just maybe, you'll say brazing in one of them. If I actually braze something, I will. <laughs> Anyways, so this week's episode is really going to be based on what is happening in my house. You may have seen, and some of you who have followed or, or joined my personal Facebook Beyond Greening, that my house is going under some sort of renovation. The joke is that I didn't pay attention to Jameson, and now she's ripping the stairs out. Ah, oh, the carpet, yes. Yes. Well, what starts off as ripping out the carpet turns into a full-blown renovation every time. That's just how my wife works. She pulls it out and says, well, that's not good enough. And it all happened because she really enjoys like those Facebook groups and the podcast about what people find in their walls. And their, when they renovate things, they find these gorgeous floors under the carpet and all that stuff made her want to do the same. Well, our house is an old house, but it's been renovated before us. So she pulls out this carpet and is very disappointed to find, you know, plywood. It's just plywood in the hopes that she was going to find some kind of magic oak flooring or something. Yeah, I don't blame her. That is the dream. Yeah, no, plywood. Plywood floors in our stairs going upstairs. So then she had to start, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Because to be honest, we're slowly removing all the carpet. It came with the house. It's, it is rather old. And I don't want carpet. Although it, I find it comfortable at times, uh, sustainability-wise, keeping things clean, their, you know, her and her son's allergies, carpet is not the way to go. So she started to just rip it out. Now, all I could think of is, oh, my goodness, the amount of effort it's going to take to, like, fix 
<laughs> what is happening in the house. And it got me thinking about what is a sustainable renovation? What are the things we can do in our homes that are at least reasonably sustainable? Because I don't think anything is fully sustainable other than a few things. And and it still needs to fit what you want to do. So I want to talk about that. What are sustainable renovations for your home? Well, I think that the, for me, what I would call the, on it, the obvious answer for any type of renovation, if you're looking for sustainability, is repurposing old materials into something new. Um, you see that a lot, like the new craze is using old barn wood to do stuff with. And you could repurpose old wooden floors. Like there's lots of areas where wood can be repurposed. And due to the replacement cost and on an energy level and for the financial cost, it makes sense to repurpose old wood. It really does. Other than that, though, I'm not really sure what you can't. I mean, you can't repurpose. You could, I guess, you could take carpet out and it's decent enough, make rugs out of it. I really don't know what all you could do sustainability wise for stuff like that. So, what I did was I attempted to break down different kinds of renovations. And what I mean, renov- some of this is renovate the property too. So, there are some things we can do outside and bring some of that outside inside as part of sustainability. So what I did is I broke it up into what I call the low-hanging fruit, the energy efficiency, and the decorative and renovation, the okay. f- like the physical renovation of things. And started to just kind of dig around. What are things that fit the the idea of sustainability? And actually, while we're in this first one, the low-hanging fruit, I'm going to update you on something I've attempted to do in Durand because it fits along with this. Okay. Because the very first thing I I put on here is plant a garden. You knew I was going to do it. You knew I was going to say it. It's Mm -hmm. one of the most sustainable things you could do on your property. But I have officially put in the request to the city to change the ordinance on that right away. That grass that you don't own that you have to maintain that's between the sidewalk and the street or berms or whatever they're, you know, people have different names for them in different places, but that space yeah, to, for residents to be able to here in Durant, if they would like to be part of the edible landscape project, but not go into town, they can strip that space and turn that into a garden as long as it is open to the public, because that's a space that's going to be, have public near it all the time. You know, you can't say it's mine and then put it right out on the road. So yeah, if, you know, if they want to be part of the Edible Landscape Project, that's a great way to do it. That will spread gardens all over the city. But it also gets rid of that grass, that constant maintenance, that wasted space. Mm-hmm. So we're waiting to see. Uh, that's just the beginning of the conversation. I'm sure there'll be negotiations and other things that come along with it. But I'm starting the process. I'm starting the process of getting rid of the rules that require grass. Well, I, I like that. I really do. I, I don't have a problem with people that like to maintain their lawn, but I do have an issue with uh, the required maintenance of it. Um, we have the same thing here from, you know, we have the sidewalk to the road that we're responsible for, just like we're responsible to keep the sidewalk shoveled. Um, I think it's, I think it personally for me, I think it's outlandish to have a resident required maintenance on something uh, that's not really theirs. Like if it's the city's and the city should, t- they should take care of it. We shouldn't be, re- people shouldn't be required to do it. But, um, just because, but I'm also battling with the city of Clio right now. So that's just me though. I think the edible landscape project is a much better idea. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I'll keep everybody updated, but that was the first, my first conversation with mayor Jeff, he's got to take it back to the lawyers and see what is the, you know, what things do we need to know? 
But anyways, so back to sustainable property or even the renovations. And when I and again, renovations can mean you're anywhere in your property, but also beyond your vegetable garden, which I think is an easy one. I'm looking to get a greenhouse at some point here, which will nice. help with that too. But landscaping with native plants. I'm getting ready to go meet Angie here from the Michigan Native Plants store here in town. She's actually just out of town. It's appointment only out of the greenhouses. And I'm going to go learn more about native plants and then how we can integrate those into the edible landscape projects to help with uh, pollination. But in, even on your own property, being able to put things in like milkweed in places so that monarch butterflies have something to eat on their, tra on their travels and kind of put what's supposed to be here. Because almost everything we plant in our yard and in our house doesn't belong in, well, for us, Michigan. Most houseplants are an invasive species overseas. <laughs> you know, it's the, the cut zoo of China kind of thing. So finding native plants, they flourish when they are planted where they're from because that's where they evolved. So building a landscape in your on your property using native plants can be both beautiful and hardy. Well, I think that most of the stuff we have here that's not meant for michigan was brought here ornamentally meaning there was just like something pretty someone liked they wanted to have blah 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 blah, blah reminded them of home then nature took its course and you know it got out of mm -hmm. hand so it makes sense to have the native plants here if i mean if it makes sense to have them i mean the way i look at if you have, if you have a yard and you live in the city you're not going to want to put a bunch of native plants that are from a forest into your yard however on the flip side of that if you have a little more room and you want to try to change things up a little bit, you want something new, you want to get maybe, you know, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm I, I know what I want to say, Michael, but I'm looking for the words. <laughs> like I, 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 I think it's a great idea. I think that, you know, the, the species of animals that are naturally occurring here would do better with the plants that naturally occurred here. It's like a classic food source and stuff. So I think it's a great idea. It's just uh, for some reason I'm, I'm broken. I can't think. Well, and the, you get to kind of pick and choose some of the wildlife you want on your property by curating the plants that you put in. Most of these ornamentals like you like you were talking about are not known food sources from animals. They quite often can pass some of them by because they don't recognize them as a food source. But with native plants, you can pick and choose which species um, you want feeding from which species and it kind of curates what comes to your yard. And I like that concept and I hope that I get to learn a little more about that from Angie because after reading a couple of books and, you know, getting a better understanding of how, how biodiversity flourishes in this manner, it's pretty interesting and it doesn't take a lot, a lot of research to be able to at least set up your home with a beautiful landscape, plants that are supposed to be there. And you're, you know, when you're talking about you, you don't want to pull it from the forest and bring it here. As long as it's from your region, you can trim things down. You can grow things and keep it under control, but it's better to do that for the biodiversity of your neighborhood than it is buying anything from a big box store and just sticking it in the ground. Generally, from other countries, I 100% agree. With the exception of fruit trees, I think that you know fruit trees are never going to be a bad thing. Plus, they're beautiful. But I was just more so referring to the notion that like some plants do better 
in an environment that you don't get in your home. You know, ferns tend to live closer to the ground underneath, you know, shaded areas of trees and stuff. And you're not going to have all that in your yard. You might. I mean, I've seen some crazy yards, but there are a lot of plants. And you look when you talk about things like, you know, bees and insects, there are a lot of plants that, let's say, only really bloom in the fall or don't bloom really well until we get into the late summer, early fall. You know, bees need that food source. So if you, especially in Michigan, I think it's a great idea. I'm not a plant guy in the sense that like I pretty much kill everything I touch, but the concept of it is wonderful. Yeah, and it's you can, you know, lemongrass, you can, there's a bunch of different things you can grow. And that leads to the next thing which is learn to love the plants in your house, and that is you don't know we don't always have to grow the invasive species from other countries in our home. We can grow a lot of herbs. Yes, we can. We can grow a lot of different things in our house to get a different feel, to get a different fragrance. There's a lot of things. So, you know, one of those sustainability upgrades, Jamie just tagged me on a video where someone took a stool and they okay. dipped a towel in concrete, wet concrete, laid it on the stool. So it drapes down. Yep. So it drapes down and it, it hardens, it cures. They flip it over, take the stool out, and now you have a massive planter that looks kind of cool, almost like a flower opening that you can put a plant in. Like there's a ton. You can Pinterest the crap out of things to make the house very appealing with, with something that doesn't necessarily cost a lot. You don't have to buy because a huge planter is very expensive. They're ridiculous. And, Most of them are plastic. Yeah. And here, here this person was able to do it with a towel and a little bit of concrete, which is not expensive. So there's a lot of different ways to get creative with using something to create that unique look in the home and help fill that home with plants. My level of plants in the house is sometimes considered to be excessive. Jamie has has started to embrace them. When I'm too busy, she does the watering. And as of late, she's done a lot of it. And on top of that, I have all of the plant. Well, the first half of the plant started for edible landscape in the house. So we've got these starter trays lined up down our counters with about 320 plants starting. So plants in the house is kind of in my wheelhouse, but that was a low hanging fruit thing. Now, when you're renovating inside the house, let the sun in. Look for ways to reduce blockage of the sun. My house is very dark. It's one of the few things I dislike about my home is that I don't get a ton of natural light into the house. I have huddles of plants around windows instead of having the ability to have natural light spread throughout the whole house very evenly because it's good for you. It's good for the plants. It's just a happier feeling in a home. So when oh, you're looking at the renovation, you're looking at drapes, you're looking at all these shades, find a way to get the light in. Let that light into the house. Well, yeah. I, so when it comes to light, light's only really a bad thing in terms of like shape, having shades and stuff. In the summer, I mean, and I'm only referring to warmth, your overall temperature of the home. Like no one likes to be hot and sweaty. But on the flip side, your house, which is kind of weird because your house has lots of windows. It's not like it doesn't have windows. They're just in the worst possible places for sun. And so... With your home, having your big your screen door in the back and your big window that faces the backyard, and then you have your, you know what I mean, like you have lots of windows. They just don't get light, which is kind of strange. Uh, my I've, I experienced the same thing. My kitchen has tons of windows it, when I'm here at home, and when I'm doing cooking videos, I have the hardest time with good light. Like it's terrible. It's so frustrating. So I I I agree. Find ways to let your light in. I would also 
for me, I, I don't really care for like the curtains. I'm more of a blinds kind of guy. Like if I, that way I could, I could control completely control the amount of light that is in the home. And there's some really great bamboo ones that you can buy that are fantastic. If you don't want to go with plastic that a lot of them are from repurposed stuff. They have re, like um, a re what's the word recycled um, twine inside of it that you can use to kind of moderate the amount of light you get in your home. Because a lot of people, you know, especially getting in the summer months, if they, if they want to watch a television program or they want to watch anything on their, on their TV in a bright room towards the end of the evening, you want to be able to moderate your light so you can, you know, see the screen on the flip side of it. If you're the kind of person that you really hate your consumer's bill, you want all the light possible. Just bring it in. Mm-hmm. And the warmth in most cases, especially at this time of year. Yeah, that's a skinny person problem. This is us big fellows. We don't like warmth. <laughs> so another thing you can do is when you have single lights in a room, change them to like the ceiling fans. Because those can help draw heat out of a room by pulling it up, or it can actually start pushing heat down in the summer. You want the circulation, the air movement. You don't want the the stale air, the sick building syndrome stuff we've talked about. This will help some of that by by creating a circulation through the whole house. But even in the summertime, it reduces your air conditioning just from the movement of air. I was just going to say that when it comes to ceiling fans, I would like one. We have... uh, Two of our rooms are dining room in the kitchen. We have a single light unit right in the center of in the room. And I, I would like to install a ceiling fan personally. I think we actually have one, a new one in storage that we, we, we can install. But we don't have central air. We don't have any way to circulate the air. And since we moved in in the winter, it wasn't a problem. But as soon as it starts to get warm, it's going to be very, very bad very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I mean, just moving the air does a lot to help the comfort level in the home without massive energy consumption. Ceiling fans take very little electricity. Well, it's just a small motor. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times here, when we're not home, we'll shut down all the windows to darken the space in in the summertime and turn on the ceiling fans. So when we come home, it's usually pleasant. And then if it gets too hot, the air conditioning kicks on at a certain level. But the other thing you can do is, of course, plant a tree. You knew I was going to say it. At some point, I was going to say plant a tree on your property. Ours is, we, we have a very small piece of property, but we got a tree in the front and a tree in the back. Matter of fact, when it was time to build the deck, we built it around the tree. The tree was there before us. So those are some things that you can do. Another one for outside is build a pleasant outside space, a place where you can enjoy outside. If you're wanting to add an amenity to the house, build a spot outside you like to be in. So for me, at some point, I am working on, not only do I want a greenhouse for the city, but I would like a small greenhouse for my property. So I can start you know, growing from the greenhouse and moving out to the gardens, those kinds of things. Um, uh, I have questions. Yes. yes. Okay. So with your property specifically, you mm-hmm. said you'd like a greenhouse on your property. Are you talking about putting it in place of your raised bed gardens? So on my property, you know, no one else knows. I have a strip of raised bed gardens that are starting to get pretty old. Um, And I'm going to start replacing some of them. So I'm going to use the corrugated steel raised beds. And I'll move my soil from the furthest right one into the very first bed. And then as I clear a space on that far right on the stones, I'll put in a greenhouse. So I'll still have raised beds beside it, but maybe a eight by eight greenhouse well i think that that is a better option just because it allows you to use the space vertically as instead of horizontally but also i I don't know what city ordinances are because essentially a greenhouse is a shed for plants so 
are you allowed to put a structure up like that without getting without needing a permit? I mean, is it is it is it paperwork wise filed differently? So you can just go. I, I want to buy this. Go pick it up and install it, or you have to get a permit for it. It's all based on if I anchor it directly to the ground. Like if, if I put braces into the ground and concrete it in, yeah, I got to get permission. Well, you're not going to do that. It's a greenhouse. If you build, if you take it and screw it down to wood that it can sit on and it sits flush to the ground, then you don't. Okay, so if you went and bought a bunch of paver stones and made an entire level foundation, if you will, of unanchored stones and put it on there, do you need a permit? No. So you're telling me that you can do this with about 200 bucks and a trip to your local Menards? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm down. That's what I'm talking about. It's great. Yeah, so those are the kinds of improvements for sustainability purposes when you're using it to grow more. For me, I have you know, I'm to the point now where I've got to grow about 600 plants a year and that none of those get to be mine, you know. So those are what I'm growing for the city and until the city can put together the money or, you know, the will to put their own greenhouse in, I'm going to be doing it. So, doesn't the city have a community garden? Yeah, uh, yes, but it's outside the city. Oh, yes. Okay, that's all I'm going to yeah. say. <laughs> so, um the next thing that you can do is energy efficiency renovations in the home. These are the uh, another thing that some of us think about, but the technology can get a little squirrely at times. But the LED lighting, the automated lighting, create you know, getting your home assistant hooked to a bunch of different things so things can operate in a most efficient way. One of the things people don't realize is part of sustainability is you not having to do it. And I know it sounds weird to some people because, you know, a lot of times sustainability is supposed to be nature oriented. laziness. I like it. Well, but it's also, I believe sustainability should feed the quality of life. So, for example, our our little robot Jarvis, who runs around cleaning the floors, is on a is all on a schedule. You know, by the time we leave, he's doing his job and it takes care of itself. And once a week we clean the base. Those kinds of improvements that you make that are automated and take away your need to use your time on things you don't want to do are part of that sustainability thing. As long as you're doing it long term, you buy one, you use it for a month and don't like it and throw it in the trash, that's a problem. But once you've set it up, you set it up and leave it and it just does its job. That's why I'm so adamant at one of these days, one of these days, someone that's going to listen to this show that works for one of those automated cat box cleaners. And they're going to say, Mike, test this out for me. And I'm going to be super excited because that's one of the things I would love, love to automate. One of those jobs I hate doing. I think that I don't know if they make these already because I'm not a cat person, but they had a cat box that used a specific kind of I don't want to call it litter, but a specific kind of material that as it cleans the waste, it composts it so you can use it for other stuff. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I just I would love to automate everything in my house I don't want to do and free up my time to enjoy the things I want to enjoy. This is so, a callback to previous episodes. Dish mm-hmm. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, it's kind of like my thermostat. Now, funny discussion about my thermostat. When I first got it, it was just me in the house, right? So I had it set to follow my phone. When I got close to home, it turned the heat up. But until then, it was like 55. And when I would leave... About the time I had to leave, it would turn it would follow my phone out and turn it down. I didn't have to do anything. By the time I showed up, the house was warm. 
when I left, it started cooling, right? Yeah. Until you have a family in the house all the time. So that had to change. But you can still schedule it by dates and times and all that kind of stuff. I liked it because I could access it from my phone. So even when we were in Hawaii, I'm like, oh, did we set the thermostat to be correct while we're gone? I could check it. And there was times in which it wouldn't have been that I was able to turn it down and reduce the amount of energy we were using even when we're not there. So these kinds of conveniences can also reduce the amount of energy. The, you know, the little charging bot that runs around uses a lot less juice than a high-powered hand vacuum, and I don't have to push it around. So that kind of stuff. Then there's things like insulation, caulk, weather stripping especially in our northern states, because of how much energy we we have to use to create heat and, and try to, to maintain it, it and yeah. try to keep it. Yeah. And same thing with cooling, the exact same thing with cooling. So when a house has far too many holes in it or gaps in that insulation, we're just constantly burning electricity and fossil fuels to keep ourselves comfortable in the house. But yeah, well, that's part of it. But there's also the notion that, and maybe maybe I'm just thinking too far into this, but like heat rises and cold doesn't. So when it's warm in your house, when your furnace is running, if you're up and moving, you're going to feel warmer faster. You're just going to, you just are. Between your own body's kinetic energy, the things you're doing, and the heat rising as it comes up to heat ducts. Most people's heat ducts are in their floors, the bottom part of their wall anyway. So you're just going to feel warmer faster. It's the polar opposite. I, I do believe that you had always referred to an air conditioner as like a heat pump. It, it has to work incredibly hard to cool your house down. And it takes a lot of juice. Oh, my God, does it? I We have a, a standing unit that's just like supposed to do 700 square feet. And if I run that every day, you know, for the course of, let's say, a month, is it, it's probably like a 30% increase on my, my consumer's bill. Like, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So energy efficiency renovations are important. Windows. Windows, 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 double pane. If you're ever replacing a window, that's the time to not go cheap. If you can't get the right ones, wait, because it is imperative to get the best quality windows. We still have the plastic wrapper upstairs windows because those are older windows and they're cold. So we add another layer with plastic every winter to help keep the rooms warmer and reduce the amount of energy we're wasting. So windows are important. Tankless water heaters. And I'm not saying tear out the old one and put in the new one. But if this one fails, that is the time. If you have to replace, then replace with the most efficient technology you can. And, you know, there's sink aerators to help reduce the water consumption. There's little things. And by the way, a lot of your energy companies will offer you LED lighting, aerators, and uh, shutoff valves for showers if you have a child or a person in the house that loves to leave the water running till it's scalding hot. And then, you know, do a few more things before they jump in the shower. We have a shower upstairs for the kids that when they leave it running, the valve shuts it off the moment it's warm. And so that they get in, pull the string and the shower starts again. All these things are usually free from a local energy provider. Check their websites, look for offers. Quite often they'll do come to the house, do an energy assessment, and then give you a bunch of gifts just like consumers does here in, in this area. So there's a lot of energy efficiency pieces like that. Uh, then there's the above and beyonds. The getting solar panels on your roof is kind of a, an above and beyond. 
that you can do if you're if you're capable of doing that. Those are things that you can do to offset your carbon footprint on more of a permanent basis. Mm-hmm. Then we get into what Jamie's doing. She loves the demo of a of anything. She loves the destruction and recreation of any space. And when you start getting into that stuff, you have to be a little more careful. If you're trying to be sustainable, it's hard. It is mm-hmm. very hard. Almost everything you get is processed heavily, comes from another country, or is just simply bad paints, things, you know, stains, these the process to make those and the amount of water that's consumed. But I also know that it's your home mm-hmm. and that you want your home to be your home. So there's some mindsets I want you to have or at least know before you replace things in your house. Number one, you've already hit on it. Go reclaimed. If you can't resurface what you have and use what you already have, which we can, almost all of us can fix and resurface the things we have. It just takes more effort. A couple more power tools to sand everything down, maybe two more days of work. And it, and it's a pain in the butt. It's way easier to smash it, throw it into a bonfire and, you know, call Home Depot to put in a new countertop. But it well, isn't I mean, the most sustainable. Well, I am I am the an advocate of smashing things. I am the Duke of Demolition, if you will. I've always <laughs> said that when it comes to renovations in your home, I'm your demo guy. If you hand me a hammer, I'll make you a hole. Actually, if you hand me a saw, I'll make you a hole. If you hand me a, a ruler, I'll make you a hole. Like I'm not good at fixing things. <laughs> but I'm incredibly good at breaking them. So that's kind of my thing. But I do, I agree with everything you're saying. And especially like if you do want to make changes, um, there's some changes we want to make here. So, I mean, I, I we're going to be experiencing that, you know, right now we're looking for the best deal on Tunga Groove flooring and stuff uh, for the same purpose. You know, we don't like a carpet. I don't, I mean, you've heard me go on rants. I don't like carpet anyways. So right. it's not something that's foreign to me. We need to move on that. But it's, it's also normal. You know, people want to feel comfortable where they live and sometimes when you buy a home that's been previously lived in you need to make it your own so well and that's why part of the realistic side of sustainability as we always talk about is the middle ground what can we do to make our home our home but yet not go so crazy because i we know people who can walk into a house gut the whole thing order all brand new and have it all installed and go there my home yeah, I, yes, yes, we do know people that would do that. <laughs> and it's, uh, and I get it, it's part of their comfort. But for some of us who are looking to reduce that carbon footprint and help build some of that positive footprint, we have to look at it a little differently. Because, I mean, I've had that same person come to me and go, hey, I got bamboo flooring, we're good to go. But not to say that the flooring that was there was bad. So what we want to do is, if you're buying wood, then reclaim it. It's kind of like when our fence blew down and the insurance replaced it. Mm -hmm. Jamie kept a ton of that fence. She kept a ton of that wood and has been slowly planing it down to make good boards uh, for about a year now. And using the sawdust for one thing or another, some of it goes into the garden beds. Sometimes she uses it for something else. She has bags of it. You can take the sawdust, mix it with a little bit of glue and use that to fill in holes um, when you're in your wood or if you're going to, you know, if you're screwing something together and your your screw head sits lower than the surface of the wood, if it's something you're not going to ever have to take apart and you want to hide that screw head, you can make a, a, oh, it's almost like an epoxy, but it's not. It's just a mixture of wood glue and, and sawdust and you can fill that hole in and once it dries, sand it down so it's nice and level. Okay. Yeah. She, I mean, so she uses a lot of that extra wood that she's shaved off but then she has a big stack of what used to be the fence 
And that's how she built the playhouse for the kids underneath the stairs going up to the balcony. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to buy a bunch of wood. She used that wood. I think she had to buy a couple of pieces that were very specific for bracing. But the rest of it, it's that. Or, you know, she'll go out in the garage, stare around for a little bit, find something and use that as part of her renovation. She has even pulled down the banister, sanded it down, cleaned it, refinished it, glossed it and put it back up. She's, or the handrail or whatever. I understand what you meant. These are the kinds of renovations. She does a very good job with buying less but doing more. She took off all that carpet of the short side of our stairs, but I think she's going to do the whole thing now. And uh, she did buy one sheet of plywood so that she could uh, resurface the backs of the stairs, the kickboards area. And she's slowly redoing that whole section with really keeping the same plywood that's there because at least it was wood grain and not glue wood chips, sanding it down, getting the patterns she wants, doing a lot of research, and then resurfacing that, restaining it, and and glossing it. And it looks nice. We can do those things without just a complete tear out and buy all new. It just takes a little extra effort, and she does a hell of a job. So that's one of the things that we can do for changing the look of our home. Like when the time comes for new counters in our house, the cupboards are good. They're not broke down. You know, tearing them all out and then ordering an inferior product to replace it would be silly. The wood that we used or whoever built that in my house used better wood then than than what I'd ever get now. That's accurate. So pulling off the top and sanding everything down and cleaning it up and then resurfacing it however you want might take longer, but you'll love it. And you didn't go buy a bunch of pre-manufactured, very weakly made cupboards, you know? So we have to look at some of those things. And if we're not necessarily prepared, because I am not your handiest of handymen at times, (laughs) I can can do some things, but I mean, let's face it, it's defaulted back to the artist of the family, which is Jameson. Listen, I said a long long time ago that the idea of us trying to do home repairs is just making a bigger mess for the person that should be doing it in the first place to come do it. And you just happen to marry her now. So it's perfect. (laughs) So the other things that we can do is look for paints with less uh, VOCs, the volatile organic compounds. But you're still going to use stains. You're still going to use paints. You still have to kind of make it your own. But we don't have to buy too much. We want to resurface it to reduce how much we use. And you can pick natural or neutral colors, colors that you don't want to change, ones that can be there for the next 25 years, and you can de- do decor around. Do you ever see houses where they always do the trendy thing, and they're constantly stripping it out every 10 years? No, I don't have friends that have that kind of money, Michael. <laughs> well, it's like I went and looked at a house one time, and the whole basement was done in like velvet walls that were black and red. Was it owned by Hugh Hefner? Well, there was mirrors. There was also other houses with like the orange shag. These are those very popular at the moment things that don't last. Find your neutrals, hard floors that you can change a rug here and there and change the, the feel of a room. Use neutral colors on the walls and use your decor to spell it out. You know, so these are all little things we can do. Pinterest will help you. I promise you can Pinterest the hell out of any room. So that is a lot of these little things. Try to create as little waste as possible. If you've got some wood that could be used by someone, 
donate it. Put it on online, put it by the road and say free, come get it. Chances are someone's going to come get it. Someone else will resurface it and use it. Utilize things like we have a store in town called Restore. It works with Habitat for Humanity. Work with locations like that. Utilize pre-used equipment where you can. Buy from, you know, Facebook Marketplace or if you can do it safely, Craigslist. Places where you can get used items. Go out to your network of friends online and say, I'm looking for a door that's 36 inches and see what shows up. Because a lot of times someone's like, I got one of those in the garage. Just come get it. And the more we can do that, the less we buy and the less it's produced. Buy everything one time. Whatever you get, get something that you will keep for the life of it. So I talked about painting neutral so you can always redecorate if need be, but the room doesn't have to be painted again. So we don't have to have the embodied energy of house paint over and over and over again every time we want to change a room. Same thing with appliances. Energy efficient. Go with things that you're going to buy one time. That's how we reduce. There's a lot of people who buy things over and over and over again. If you're doing you know, fast furniture, you're going to buy fast furniture over and over and over again. Things break. It's made poorly. It's made so that you'll change it out every couple of years anyways. Mm-hmm. Buy something one time. If, you, if, if the look no longer suits your need, take some time off and refinish it and utilize it somewhere else. And guess what? The reality is it's cheaper. Almost every idea we come up with in sustainability is a reduction of cost compared to other ways we do things. So this is just some of those ideas. I guarantee everybody listening has a few more. If you have them, let us know them. Put them on the Green Your Life site right under this podcast because you're going to know more things. You're going to teach us. You're going to teach other people. And we will maybe try some of those projects. And Nick, you have a whole house that you get to try projects on. Yeah. As soon as I get the budget, you're absolutely right. There's tons of things we want to do. Um, We actually just bought new cupboards and a, a butcher block top, like countertop. Uh, You know, our dad with his, his, uh, his love of auctions. And so he called me one day. He's like, hey, this is coming through. Do you have any need for this? And had we not had this house, I'd have been like, no, what are you thinking? But he started sending me links to the countertop or counters and cupboards, all this stuff. And I was like, okay, well, we do need new cupboards. There's just not enough. Our kitchen's much bigger than the last house, but there's not enough storage. And then he sends me to the butcher block top. And I was like, yeah, get all of it. Just, just, I'll take it all, every bit of it. <laughs> and so the, the butcher block top, we actually paid uh, close to retail on, but we got a great deal on the, on uh, the cupboards and they're, they're the real wood. So I'm really excited to get those installed. We haven't obviously installed them yet, but um, I'm really excited about it. Well, and one of the good things about the auction is, is when you buy from there, it doesn't create a production of another one. These are things that were either damaged or scratched or returned or didn't sell over a period of time that we can buy from a different company that's liquidating things. So at least when you buy them there, it's not just ringing up another one at Home Depot to to be produced again, mm-hmm. which is a nice thing. So hopefully this episode helped a few people out or at least got you thinking about your springtime or summer projects for renovating pieces of your home or the whole home. You can also do a little research, look up LEED certification, but it, not that you're going to certify your house, but it gives you ideas of how to create a more sustainable home, how to reorient things so that you save energy. A lot of great tips in there for anybody starting to work on their home this season. So thank you so much for listening. 
We appreciate it. We definitely do. If you want to help realistic sustainability, well, share this with a friend, share it on social media. The more people who see us and get a chance to listen listen to us, the better it is for the show. You're really helping us out. Also, five-star reviews. I think everybody's used to me saying that. Go online to either Spotify or iTunes and just give us a five-star review. It's, it's easy me. I'd like to look at them, and I appreciate it very, very much. I know Nick does, too. I sure do. <laughs> and remember, we only get together each week to get a little bit better. Little bit, little bit, big bit. Thank you so much. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>